Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. You're listening to Unlocking Vulnerability, a podcast produced by Helen Pettifer, helping you better understand consumer vulnerability. Hello, I'm Helen Pettifer, and welcome to Unlocking Vulnerability. In this episode, I'm delighted to welcome my special guest, Jonathan Mantle from Complaints EQ. Jonathan runs his own consultancy practice, helping to improve the way organizations run their complaints department and manage their complaints. Hello, Jonathan. It's wonderful to have you as a guest on my podcast. Hi, Helen. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. So do you want to start by giving us an introduction to yourself? Yeah, so um, I, I think you sort of captured it, the, the main thing in terms of in terms of what I do. I've, I've, but I've been working in complaints for about 20 years now. And in that time, I've, I've worked under pretty much most of the different types of roles you'll ever really come across in a complaints department. I've worked for different types of organisations, insurance companies, other credit companies. I've worked with the financial ombudsman service. I've worked with other consultancy firms as well. So I've, I've been involved in complaints for a long time in lots of different capacities and lots of different different roles. And I decided to set my consultancy up as a result of everything I'd built up from that because I felt that I could contribute more um, to the sector, as it were, as, as, a, as a whole um, through my own practice than almost sticking with the, that one employer. Brilliant. And I do actually introduce you to people as the go-to person for complaints. So I think I'm the vulnerability lady. You must be the complaints chap. So brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. So, I mean, obviously over the last few years, the past few years, the regulators have put more emphasis on how organisations should be identifying and supporting customers who may be vulnerable. Hence, this is why I've brought you onto the podcast. Because one of the points raised in the FCA guidance is about using complaints as part of that identification process. What are your thoughts and insights around this? I think it really comes down to, when it comes to vulnerability and complaints, I think it really comes down to your root cause processes because complaint handlers can be trained in dealing with vulnerable customers. The idea of identifying complaints is you know, another kind of similar but slightly different topic. Right? I think when it comes to using complaints to identify vulnerability, a lot of that can come down to the root cause. You need to have a robust process. A lot of organizations will use root cause a lot of the time just to tell them what's being complained about the most. And the reality is that isn't root cause. That's that's simply trend analysis. The root cause really should be telling you what's causing the most problems and how it's causing them and even who it's causing them to. Because 
it's it's one thing to focus on looking at what processes underline most of the complaints it's something different and another step forward again if you then look at the groups of customers that are being impacted the most because if you've got a situation where you're looking at all the different issues that you've had over the course of a month and you, you're identifying certain processes that that lie under those problems you might see a particular process features kind of quite low on the scale of how frequently it comes up and so the natural tendency would be to not prioritize that and look at the processes that are causing the most problems to the most people but if you were to look in, at your customer demographics behind that if you were to then find that actually this may be say the seventh most recurring process that causes a problem so it's not as important as something else you might actually find that the majority of people that that particular issue is affecting all come from a very similar group like they might be people that are being flagged for vulnerability or it could be that when you look at that problem actually it reveals that those people potentially are vulnerable that you may not have realized or you're disproportionately affecting one customer demographic over another and that would probably make you look at that and think well actually even though this process is only the seventh most recurring issue it's actually disproportionately affecting this group of people and therefore maybe we do need to prioritize it because if it's only affecting that group of people then there's probably something quite unique about that group of people that we need to pay more attention to it but i think you can also identify vulnerability in complaints sometimes just by listening to the not just to what the customer is saying but things like repetitive complaints if somebody's continually making the same complaint sometimes that can actually give rise to there being an you know an underlying problem because it, it's not going to be very often that you're going to have a situation where you're repeatedly doing the same thing wrong but somebody might still be repeatedly bringing up the same issue and that can kind of almost have a vulnerability to it that, that could have been previously disguised somebody for example who's always complaining about the dates that you're taking a payment on and being very specific about it or having lots of complaints related to payments could reveal a, a vulnerability in, in terms of you know financially there um, if money is always seeming to be a problem whenever they complain somebody else might be complaining because you're continuing to send certain communications to them even though they know that you need to send those communications to them i had to deal with an issue like that some years ago within within complaints where every single time we would send a customer a particular letter they would phone up a complaint and we would repeatedly have to tell this customer we need to be sending you this it's a regulatory requirement but they would always always complain about it some people would look at that and and just dismiss it as off they're just looking for reasons to complain we've already told them they won't leave it alone but but actually when you kind of start digging deeper and talking to that customer you could actually find out they actually have a vulnerability there there's like a cognitive issue there or a learning issue or something like that that's making them not quite understand that what you're doing is something that they don't really necessarily have to pay attention to but you still need to do it so repeat, repeat complaints can also be a bit of an indicator but on a broader level root cause analysis and having a robust root cause function that looks beyond simply what are people complaining about and how often are they complaining about it is extremely important in identifying vulnerability in customers yeah i mean that's so interesting and actually it's great that you that you mention about the repetitive because i hadn't really mm. actually thought about that and and when you when you were talking it's like that that so makes sense because actually it then does highlight what what is relevant to that individual and what yeah. they're struggling with because i guess when it comes to identification of vulnerability and looking at complaints 
it is an ideal tool to identify those barriers. What, what are those obstacles? What are those challenges for both the customer and the organization? It's actually what's getting in the way of us having a proper, robust, you know, working relationship ultimately, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And I think especially in terms of the re repeat complaints, especially so if you're finding that in, in all in most of those situations, you're not actually upholding them. Because if you are upholding them, then you, you recognize that as a company, you're doing something wrong. So you need to change it. But if you're getting a repeat issue by certain people and you're always finding, well, we're not doing anything wrong. If there's nothing wrong with what the company's doing, then obviously something's happening on the customer side of things to make them keep complaining about it. So it's quite often in the complaints that you're regularly not upholding that you might find a vulnerability when it comes to repeat complaints than in the ones that, that you are, because you're already identifying a problem if you're having to uphold it. Yes. Yeah. And then obviously, then if you are identifying that it's that it's a problem on the customer's side by maybe stepping outside the box and providing an alternative solution to that individual. Yes, it will solve it for that. But actually, you might find that it works for, for so many other customers yeah. that actually hadn't raised that complaint. Because I think as well, what we're what we're aware of is that there are customers who who are potentially vulnerable that actually they don't raise complaints they don't let the organization know what isn't working for them yeah so by well, fixing it for one you can fix it for many absolutely and a lot of statistics you know even when we move away from vulnerable customers such a lot of statistics quite often kind of show numbers along the lines of 90 percent plus people never bother raising a complaint with with the business they just either leave or they just keep quiet about it so if you think about it you may only be getting several complaints a month about one particular issue. But if you recognize that 91% of your customers probably aren't telling you about it in the first place, it's very unlikely that only three or four people are experiencing that issue, even if you've only received three or four complaints. They're just the ones that have put their head above the parapet and said, I'm not standing for this. Yeah. And then, of course, there are organizations that, that don't particularly want to hear from their customers in the no. complaint system. And then they make the whole complaint process difficult anyway. So it yeah. makes it yeah. far more challenging for somebody who has got um, vulnerability to, yeah. to actually access the, the complaint process. So following on from my last point, then, so I think that one of the barriers to complaints and vulnerability is that not everyone knows that they can complain or they may not know the exact word to use in the conversation. So they may not actually use the word complain. So how can businesses identify customers feeling frustrated? It, it's quite difficult because you know, most industries will have a definition of a complaint and they all might have slightly different wording. But one thing that's consistent when I've looked at lots of different industries and all of their own individual definitions of complaint, they all revolve around the customer expressing dissatisfaction. If you look at that on first glance, it's not hard to argue with that being a definition of a complaint. Because if you look at the word complaint in the dictionary, it says it's a statement that something is unsatisfactory or unacceptable. So it makes sense you'd say a complaint is an expression of dissatisfaction. But the problem is if you kind of dig into that a little bit deeper, one of the things that you, you kind of unearth is that if you're requiring an expression of dissatisfaction, it means that identifying a complaint is founded on the presumption that your customer is fully able to express themselves, both in the way that they intend to express themselves and in the way that you're expecting them to express themselves. And that's not always going to happen. You know, businesses, I think, have moved away from the idea that they need to use the word complaint. And that, you know, and, and, I, and I think that's that's at least positive. But the problem is, is if people aren't very good at expressing themselves, they might have difficulty meeting that 
definition or that expectation in, in in other in other ways and some people just aren't inclined to to act in in, in certain ways anyway so you know um you know you might get some people that that are very timid and very apologetic when they speak and you'll get somebody else who's like almost like fire and brimstone that are really determined to kind of let you have it when the slightest thing irritates them but it doesn't mean that they've both not been impacted in the same way you know i have over, over the years spoken to many people that just almost seem really kind of determined not to make it sound like they're unhappy but that when they're telling you what you've done there's no way you can think oh well that person's going to be fine with that they, they're clearly not you know if somebody comes to you and phones up and they say look you've just taken two payments out of my account and i'm not going to be able to pay my bills if you don't pay it back i've already had to cancel our shopping trip trip you know, my son can't go off to his practice thing or, or whatever. You know, they may be sounding very calm about it, but to turn around and suggest that they're satisfied would be ridiculous. So somehow, it, sometimes it's in what they're saying that you've done that you inherently find the dissatisfaction, not necessarily in what they're actually saying. So I think it's important that businesses move beyond just words and even beyond the tone of those words because you can you can say something and you know that someone's not satisfied because the tone in which they they say something but then if we move back to to that example of somebody that's very apologetic about having to call and and really doesn't want to cause a problem but you've pretty much ruined their life <laughs> you know it's kind of like you know they're not going to be using the words or the tone so you need to move beyond that and i think what's important in this identifying a complaint or identifying an expression of dissatisfaction in whatever industry you work in you have to pay attention to the circumstances and the situation that the customer is presenting you with and have an understanding of how that situation regardless of how they've told you about it how is that situation going to impact them or how has it impacted them not just kind of emotionally in terms of how they're presenting it but just in terms of how that is likely going to have make, make someone feel because some people will put on a completely different front when they're talking to someone on the phone they suddenly feel they need to be professional and restrained and calm when they put the phone down and they're suddenly having a massive row with their with their partner because they didn't you know they didn't let the business know how difficult a situation they're in as a result of it so yeah i think i think that's what the important thing that business needs to be aware of an expression of dissatisfaction can often be found in the impact that something's having on someone more so than the words and tone they're using. Nobody is going to turn around and make out that they're completely satisfied with you doing something that's had a material impact on them. So look at the circumstances in the situation more than their words. And that way, somebody who isn't in a position where they're able to express themselves very well is not going to find themselves having a different experience or outcome than somebody that perhaps is a little bit you know, more assertive. If I, if I pick up the phone and, and let a business know that I'm not happy, they know that I'm not happy. I've got relatives that you, you would have to push and push and push to get anything out of them beyond, you know, them just telling you about it. I shouldn't have to expect a different experience than my relatives that would act differently. And if that happened, well, I'm the kind of person that would, would let them know about it. So, but yeah, I think we need to move away from expressions of dissatisfaction as, of being things that we can compute by people's words you know, and their language and their tone. And I think we need to start looking at the situation and the circumstance more than the individual. Yeah. So again, it comes, I think it always comes back down to training, doesn't it? Training frontline mm -hmm. staff to be able to pick up on these 
pick up on these cues, these behaviours, these words and phrases in conversations. And as well, I guess, changing the organisation's process that actually we only log a complaint when the word complaint has been used mm. in that conversation. So, yeah. It is, yeah, it does always come down to training, doesn't it? Yeah. With frontline staff. I think on the flip side, though, I mean, you know, and businesses um, in, in lots of different industries now sort of moving away from looking for specific words and phrases. But on the flip side, I think they're causing a just as big a problem, but almost in on the opposite side of the fence in that some businesses are now looking at any time a customer gives any indication of dissatisfaction, suddenly it's a complaint. Whilst that can be fine from, you know, a an experience point of view in terms of showing the seriousness, the problem is, is if everything is treated as a complaint and everything is going in as a formal process, those really important things get almost overtaken by things that are perhaps less important. And people start getting put through formal processes for really, really minor issues um, and issues that haven't really impacted them, but they're just not that happy about it. So I do think there needs to be a fine balance in recognising when someone's unhappy or when when, when something would have made someone unhappy or dissatisfied and recognising when that's actually going to have an impact on that individual based on their circumstances. I've, I've spoke spoken to a number of businesses that, that will say to me even in financial services well we treat every single expression of dissatisfaction as a complaint and that's not what the regulator wants you to do for those very reasons that bigger issues get lost and it makes reporting complaints and reporting issues um, less valuable because it becomes more difficult to find those really important things that that give rise to conduct issues or give rise to actually causing a, a big problem with your with your customers and it makes root cause more difficult because you're no longer looking at things that are causing potential problems you're looking at every single bit of communication that's coming into you and you can miss something really important because you're you're not focused properly so it's important that you move away from specific words and language but i think it's also important that you keep in mind the purpose of what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it and you don't just become almost too late back and say every time someone remotely comes across as being unhappy that's a complaint because the reality is it isn't if i phone someone up and said look you know i'm a bit frustrated that you've done this i've used the term frustrated but that's just the way i'm expressing myself so it may not have really had an impact on me i wouldn't expect to then be put through a process where i'm waiting several weeks for a reply i, I think yeah. it's kind of almost swings and roundabouts you've got to move away from being too formulaic but at the same time you, you can't become almost too liberal in the approach because you lose sight of the bigger picture yeah and then I think as well then I mean coming back to the FCA's definition of a vulnerable customer you know they talk about sus- customers who are potentially susceptible to detriment should organizations be analyzing the risk of harm when it comes to the complaint process that if we don't hold up this complaint it can cause further harm and then also should we be analyzing the risk of harm of actually can we fast track this complaint because actually waiting six seven eight weeks for a resolution is is not in the best interest for this customer does harm come into this then as well I, i think it does i mean this is i think this is where financial services in that in that respect has a bit of a a better foothold on on this because Within its definition, it, it, it specifically states that there needs to be some form of allegation of, you know, of harm. It doesn't have to be proven. It just needs to be alleged. And, and you, you would take that from, being from the point of view of the customer, not whether you think something would be 
harmful, but whether the customer in their circumstances considers it to be harmful and therefore kind of alleges that. But yeah, I, I think you need to be looking at harm and almost using harm as part of that expression of dissatisfaction. It's like we said earlier, if, if someone's been impacted by something, if something's been caused harm by something, there's absolutely no way you can separate an expression of dissatisfaction from that harm. The, the dissatisfaction is inherent in the fact that they've been put in detriment in some way. No one's going to turn around, like I said earlier, no one's going to turn around and say, I'm perfectly fine with you causing me harm, which means that it means they're not fine with you causing harm, which means it, they're dissatisfied. But they're telling you through the harm that's been caused or you're identifying the dissatisfaction through the harm that you've caused somebody or the potential harm that you may have caused them. And again, it moves away from, from the words and, and, and the tone and therefore you're not disadvantaged people that just don't have that same ability. Interesting topic there, isn't it, when it, when it comes to harm and, and it comes down to businesses in effect as well with their inactions or even their actions, yeah. you know, causing harm and, and even then, you know, inviting a complaint from the customer as well. So that person may not be vulnerable until they engage or interact with that organisation, and then that can yeah, cause yeah. cause further harm. That's another another topic for another <laughs> another podcast. So, what barriers have you noticed when it comes to vulnerable customers raising complaints and even progressing through that complaints journey? I think partly to do with the whole way they're able to express themselves. And of course, we're only talking more about certain types of vulnerability. Just because someone's vulnerable doesn't mean it, they can't express themselves. But I, I think it, it's the case of it, it's partly businesses or their agents not receiving the kind of training support that they need to be able to recognize when somebody might need more support, particularly when that person is not letting on that they need more support. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I think the other thing is the communication channels themselves. It's great that we're seeing businesses open up more more methods to communicate with them. You know, you've, you've got your traditional phone and you've got you know, sort of the email and you've got your web forms and now you've got your live chat and you're also you know, expanding out in, into social media. But what I'm finding is that some businesses, when they introduce a new channel, they clearly want to market that channel and then they start funneling people towards that channel. And that in itself, for people like me, it can be frustrating, but it's not having a detrimental impact. I prefer to get on the phone and have a quick conversation with someone and sort something out than to go through the whole process of filling out forms or trying to get through on, on, on a live chat and find I'm talking to a bot that's not quite understanding me or I don't want to go sending an email and spend all this time kind of typing and phrasing. I just want to have a, a quick conversation and from that conversation decide what next steps I need to take or what steps I want to take. But if somebody makes it difficult for me to call, it's frustrating, but I can find another way. Um, and it just means that when I do use that other method, I'm going to make it clear to them that I'm not particularly happy about the fact that I've been moved down that route. But for other people, they don't have that choice or they're significantly impacted if they don't have that, that particular choice. And I think it's important that businesses understand that as they open up new channels of communication, that should be there to expand the ways in which somebody can get in contact with you, not change the ways that people can get in contact with you. I went through one service provider not so long ago, and I'm not going to name them because I made a big hoo-ha about it on LinkedIn, but I wanted to give them a call and I couldn't find the number and I ended up having to Google it. And it's lucky that I know how to use the internet and use Google to be able to find the number because I was having no luck trying to find it on their website. And I'd consider myself to be quite technically savvy. But then after that, I decided, well, no, I'm going to actually stick to this and I'm going to see how I can get that telephone number off the website. And I counted it, took me seven different steps of clicking and scrolling and going to one place after another on their website, seven separate steps before I was presented with the phone number. And that's even when I clicked on the complaints icon. Wow. And to me, that's, that's absolutely awful. And then when I was on the phone, it took me half an hour to speak to someone. Now, I went through that method again later on. I had the number at that point and I went through the option to say I wanted to cancel and the phone was picked up within 30 seconds. But it took me 30 minutes to talk about something else. Um, and the other ways I could get in touch with them was through their complaints form. And I didn't want to write out a form and go through that lengthy process of all the drop downs. Um, I didn't want to send an email. I wanted to just call them up and have a chat. And it became really difficult. And I thought if I was somebody that relied on having to use the telephone, I would not have been able to have my problem solved because I got frustrated and Googled it as a person who, who's perfectly fine using these other methods, but just didn't want to. And so somebody that's restricted to using the telephone, I thought, well, how many complaints are they potentially missing that they would probably need to hear because so many people are being funneled down a mode of communication that they're not comfortable using? And it's not just a case of not being able to use email. It, just be, it could simply be a case of they're not comfortable using email and they're more comfortable having a conversation. Or perhaps there's somebody that just needs to have that interaction with somebody have that sense of security you find and you know that when you do start talking to someone about something rather than dealing with a, a robot or, or, or sending an email so I, I think that's a, a really important one opening up more channels for communication but maintaining the service level across the others now 
if you've got a situation where like 90% of your communication comes in through your social media channel and your live chats and your emails and only 10% comes through the telephone, then it, it makes sense that you're going to resource those things more than the telephone. But that doesn't mean try and direct people away from it. It just means that you need to make the information you have to hand more accessible so that you're reducing phone calls, not by pushing them down a different route, but because people don't need to phone. And the only people that do phone are the ones that prefer it, because you're always going to get people like that, like myself, or people that need to. But don't start lopping off one channel for the sake of one in this. You know, you've spent all these millions on this fancy new live chat, social media thing, and you really want to use it. So you take half your contact center staff away. You know, that's yeah. you know and you stop people using the telephone or you hide the telephone number so that the only people that can use that the, the, use the telephone are the people that are a bit more resilient like me that are going to go and make sure you know i'm i'm going to find it i don't care how much you try to stop it i am going to find it and i'm going to call you you know and we saw we saw a lot of that last year didn't we with with lockdown is actually yeah. a lot of organizations did remove the telephone number yeah from oh, their they websites did. because yeah. they actually didn't want people to call and you just think oh my gosh you know the the harm that can befall people because actually you've taken away one of one of their preferred channels you know yeah. I, I mean i'm like you i i like talking to people i like yeah. to to engage with people over the telephone that's definitely my preferred method and, and it was interesting that you were saying about people not being able to get through and and the word that really sprung to my mind when you were talking there is all about trust mm. that trust between that, the customer and the organization can be seriously damaged if they can't get through and they can't let the the organization know that they're not happy and you're kind of just thinking trust is a, is a really key word yeah. because it also is what is needed for that customer to share with that organization what they're going through we're obviously wanting customers to let us know disclosure of actually what they're experiencing in their life what, what support they need from us and then, of course, when it comes to something crucial that actually something is wrong, something's not working for me, if I can't get through and tell you that this this isn't working for me, actually, that trust is broken. Uh, absolutely. I mean, if, if I'm if I'm looking through someone's website and I want to call them, it's a bit different if I know that the service provider I'm using is an online based one. You know, I'm, I'm not going to have you know, I'm not going to go sulking because I can't get through to my online bank on the phone when I want to, because I know it's an online bank. That's what I've signed up for. But when it's another service provider, um, especially when it's a telecommunications one, I find the most difficult people to get through to on the telephone are telecommunications mm. companies, which is ironic the irony. in itself. And, <laughs> the irony of that. Well, yeah, and the, and the problem is, is by preventing people from phoning you, well, if the issue's with your broadband, you can't really go <laughs> online and contact them any other way. <laughs> <laughs> so removing the telephone number is a problem. But if I'm looking for a telephone number and I cannot find it, the first question that comes to my mind is, why don't you want me to phone you? That's a great question, yeah. Why, why is it that you're putting up this barrier and you don't want to speak to me? Is it because your agents don't really know what they're doing? Is it because you actually don't care that I've got a problem and that actually I'm putting you out by having to fix something? Is it a case that you are absolutely snowed under and therefore, you're kind of hiding the number because you don't want to put any more stress on your contact center. Well, I'm sorry, but that's one of your responsibilities in terms of resourcing things. If you cannot cope with the volume of correspondence that comes through, you've got too many customers that you can handle. And it's either you've got too many customers or you're not doing things properly. It's, it's one of the two. So I think any, any company that's afraid to put a contact number on 
when it has a contact center is telling me that it doesn't want to speak to its customers or that it only wants to hear from from its customers when it's so important to the customer they absolutely have to get through to you and of course you you come back to another problem that we kind of touched upon earlier is that it may not be a massively important issue but it's still something the business needs to know about because if all the little problems build up they don't necessarily build up into a bigger problem but there comes a point where you have so many little problems you just can't be bothered with them anymore and and ultimately that's your customers and if mm. your customer's not happy and they're not getting the answers that they want or they're not getting the resolutions that they want they're just going to walk yeah well they will do if they're able yeah. to phone you up to tell you that they're leaving well yes that's true <laughs> as long as you make the offboarding yeah. process <laughs> smooth and, and easy as well yeah definitely so going back to one of your previous points in jonathan you mentioned about social media mm. how much emphasis do you think organizations and even customers actually are putting on looking at complaints through social media well, yeah, I'm, I'm finding that businesses are a lot more responsive to something but going on social media than they are if you try and tell them through any other way, because you're telling everybody when you put it on social media. If you tag the company in, you're tagging in that company, you're letting all of your connections or all of your friends or whatever they call them, whatever platform, you're letting them know. And you're potentially also letting all the people that follow that company know, because if, if someone's tagged into something, you know, a company's tagged into something and you're following that company, you'll probably see it, you know, so they, they do place, a, I think, a lot of emphasis on, on responding to it. And I've, I've had it myself. I've had a situation where I've posted something on social media about a company when they annoyed me and they responded to that quicker than when I pick up the phone and try and talk to them. So part of me is kind of tempted, that, but but I, I have a tendency to do that now, whether it whether it's right or wrong, whether it's being kind of childish or whether it's getting a point across but i actually find now that if i have a problem with the company if i go on linkedin and i blast them on linkedin they're going to respond to me quicker than if i phone them introducing wondersuite from bluehost.com the tool that makes wordpress wonderful for everyone website creation is hard but now with bluehost you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals and the wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your wordpress website or store in minutes seriously from there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. So I, I then have a balance then because I think, well, I'm going to get a better response and a quicker response if I blast them on LinkedIn. But then I don't want all my potential clients to think I'm just a troublemaker <laughs> <laughs> because because I'm, I'm not I'm not doing it to get attention. I'm doing it to get their attention because I know yes. they'll respond quicker because more people are looking at that than if I'm phoning up and no one knows about it unless I go and tell them afterwards. Yes. And, and I guess that is the frustration, isn't it? That actually maybe people have tried so many different other channels that actually frustration levels do rise and then people just want to be heard they just want to have their voice heard they want an answer they want something resolved 
they don't want to cause any harm to, to the organization's yeah. reputation they just actually want to be resolved so so yeah actually i can see how frustrations mm. could get you to that point where you just think actually do you know what i'm just going to blast you on social media i haven't ever got to that point myself but I, you know i i see it on twitter you know a lot yeah. of time you know people you know either tagging the organization in or actually just not tagging them in yeah, well, I, I, I mean, sometimes when I when I go and do something like that on social media, I sometimes try and have a bit of fun with it. I mean, there was one time when I when I got in touch with the service provider through social media because I was getting really frustrated with trying to communicate with them and the complete lack of transparency in trying to phone in trying to phone them and the, the steps I had to go through. That I actually went onto PowerPoint. I created a graphic illustration of how to get the number and I put their branding on it. And I posted it on social media saying, here you go, you can have this to stick on your website to help your customers find out how to get your telephone number. Brilliant. And, um, it was quite amusing because some of their senior managers actually kind of made little comments or kind of, you know, liked it and that kind of thing. But it was it was done as a joke, but it was born through sheer frustration of like, mm -hmm. why should it take me seven or eight different actions to find the telephone number that should be on the front page? Yes. And I had to go through the complaints process through those seven clicks that those seven clicks were click one was clicking on the complaints tag tab do you know what i mean so and it took another six steps after that when i clicked on wow. this goodness knows how you would have found it any other way but i thought that the, the sheer frustration of going through that through that experience just to find a telephone number to know i'm going to be waiting in a long queue i thought you know well i'm i'm, I'm annoyed but i'm going to have a bit of fun with it so i said here you go use a Here's a free graphic <laughs> illustration for me. They haven't used it. I went online and checked. They haven't used it. So my efforts were kind of wasted, to be honest. But it, 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 but, but I love that. And, and I love your perseverance because I think actually it makes you wonder whether organizations do this deliberately just to stop people complaining. Because I remember I am um, years and years ago, um, I went to a, a well-known um, restaurant chain and, and I, I ordered fish and everyone else ordered something different. I was the only one that ordered fish. Actually, I was really poorly for, for quite a few days. So when I was actually better, I went in and sort of said, look, you know, I've been really, really poorly with food poisoning. And, you know, and I do want to just let you know, and I do need to, to raise a complaint. They sent me a 72 page booklet form to fill in, you know, listing all the times I had been sick, you know, what I'd eaten in the previous 72 hours. It was it was literally it was a huge document to fill in because ultimately they didn't want me to complain so of course you know I, I think I got halfway through and I thought you know what is it really worth it you know if this is if this is one of the barriers you know actually I'm not yeah. gonna they don't they really couldn't care less whether I was poorly yeah. or not so it's actually not worth complaining and, and and the problem the problem you've got with that as well is as well as the amount of information they're asking you to provide is going to put you off doing it and that's one tactic the other tactic is that because they've got all that information they can find a way to wriggle out of it you know yeah. The more questions people end up asking you, it's it, it's kind of a sad state of affairs to kind of almost have this view, really. But sometimes I find that the more questions someone asks, it's not because they're interested. It's because they want to find a way out yeah. because they'll ask things. You think, how is that remotely relevant? It's like the whole thing with like house insurance. When they ask you what type of lock you've got on your door, like, I don't know when that I use a key for and when that stops people go, you know, getting through the door unless they kick it in. I don't know. I don't know what type of door you know, door lock I've got. And then they'll give you diagrams. But unless I take the door apart, I'm not going to be able to see the lock to know that that's the right diagram. But you know that the reason they're asking is because if someone breaks in and you've given them the wrong information, they'll tell you that your door wasn't secure enough. So yeah. And broke. again, it comes back to that trust, isn't it? 
do you not trust me that actually you know I'm I'm telling the truth and I have been really poorly you know yeah. and actually I'm not going to eat in your restaurant ever again and I don't think to this day I have actually thinking about it trust is a really big a really big topic isn't it again maybe that needs to be a future podcast episode an episode on trust so you've shared lots of lots of thoughts and lots of top tips and you know are there any other top tips that you can give organizations for helping them to improve the complaint process especially for their vulnerable customers i think really it's kind of it's more more like a summary of all the different things i think the first thing is to be as transparent as possible in terms of people being able to get in touch with you leaving leaving those channels open don't expect them to go through one form, speak to somebody, and then be transferred to someone else to repeat everything. The first touch point that they get in touch with you with their issues, that should be sufficient. And where it needs to go after that touch point, well, that's your responsibility as a business to get it there, not the customer's responsibility to start trying to chase it around and make sure it goes to the right place. So it, it you know, the customer's responsibility really is just to let you know. It's your responsibility to make sure the right people find out and something's done about it so transparency ease of ease of complaining making sure that people are trained properly in identifying complaints and and can take on that you know those subtleties in 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 that it's more about the circumstances and the situation than it is the way they tell you about it you know look at the potential for for the harm and for the impact and and what's actually happened moreover the somebody's specific words and just because someone doesn't tell you they're complaining doesn't mean you shouldn't put it through that process but at the same time don't be too liberal with it that every time someone tells you even the slightest little thing they're going through a formal process because that can cause just as much harm Um, if somebody's anxious and they tell you something minor and they're going to go through some big long formal process either they're going to get more anxious or they're going to stop telling you so it's about dealing with every situation in the right way based on the individual customer not necessarily the kind of the hard and fast process you've set up of this tick this tick here and it's a complaint tick there and it's not kind of thing look at look at each customer and then just keeping them up to date with what's actually going on give them give them that reassurance and communicate back with them in the way that's easiest for them not necessarily the way that's just the most convenient for you and when you are going to get in touch with them and keep them updated make sure you're actually telling them something there's nothing worse than you know some some complaints can be quite complicated and take several weeks and through that time you do need to to get in touch with the customer a couple of times just to let them know but just sending them a generic letter saying we're still looking at your complaint isn't going to you know give anybody any kind of assurance that things are are moving forward particularly if it's not a massively complicated issue and i think well why are you still in the same position you were in last time and the business may not be they could have been running around like headless chickens trying to get hold of information they just not been able to to get it yet but a customer would much prefer you saying to them look i know it's been two weeks we're still trying to get this information is much better than saying still looking at it because the still looking at it is kind of like saying we're not we don't we don't really care you're just in a queue Whereas the first answer is, well, look, we're, we're trying to get hold of this information. It, it demonstrates you are actually doing something and people are more likely to, to allow you and trust you to take a little bit longer if they know you're actually doing something. So make it transparent, make it very easy to complain. First touch point should be all, all, all that's needed. You know, they shouldn't need to go through anyone. They shouldn't have to repeat themselves. Don't force them down a certain route. Make sure that people are attuned into listening to the situation, not just the, the words or the tone. And then keep people up to date with what's actually going on throughout the whole process and make those updates meaningful. 
fast time frames, fast turnaround times, they're great. You know, everyone wants to be as fast as they can, but people, I think people will appreciate you being upfront and honest with them more than the amount of time something's necessarily taking, unless time's actually the critical factor. And being able to prioritize and understand um, to what complaints need to be prioritized under another, and that comes back to the, you know, the whole looking at the, the harm and, and, and the individual impact. Brilliant, some great points there. Thank you, Jonathan. And I noticed again that you've got the word trust in there as well, which I think is, yeah, is, is key. So brilliant. And I do feel that we've kind of had a bit of a moan ourselves, haven't we, today? <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've put the worlds to rights, I think. So, I mean, it just leaves me to say, you know, so thank you so much for, for sharing all your thoughts in this episode. I, I know that that's, that's really some real golden nuggets there for, for the listeners to, to take and implement in their own organisations. So actually probably even just think about actually how is our complaints process you know what are the sticking points for our customers you know are we encouraging people to to get in touch with us and I wonder how many listeners would just go and check on their website to see if their, yeah. their contact numbers visible and easy to yeah. easy to get to so yes count, count the steps. I think I think that's the important thing as well because it's all right to say well we've got it in a prominent place but if that person has to take lots of different actions to find that place then well when it's not prominent but it was not that easy. So I, I would probably say, put yourself in the position of a customer and go through the process of making a complaint and see how quick and easy it actually is. And if if it doesn't come naturally to you when you already know the process, it's not going to come naturally to a customer that's not had to go through it yet. Yeah, some great points there. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you so much for, for being a guest today and for sharing your thoughts. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unlocking Vulnerability. Please take care of yourself and stay safe and well. Remember to subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. You can also follow me on Twitter at hpetifertrain. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.